Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. Not sure if I mentioned it on the last podcast or not, but uh, we got some rain. Total Archer Challenge there. And I was using the, the Huntworth rain jacket, and that was one of the first things from them that I was like, if we're going to do this, you need to send me a set of your rain gear. And it's about perfect. It's not breathable. Um, and, you know, breathable rain gear is like super expensive. Um, but it's very like durable, huntable, I, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, it's not too loud and, you know, shot really, really well with it on. Uh, didn't have any issues. It's, it's not loud and it's durable. Those are the things that I look for. You know, I'm I'm not going to use this to to save my life in Alaska or something like that. But um, as part of my gear, as part of my layering system, as part of the gear that I bring with me, uh, especially when I'm planning out of state hunts and stuff like that, um, super super great piece of gear. Um, and I, I don't think I mentioned that on the last podcast uh, when we were talking about total archery challenge. So that right there. Um, it's one of my favorite pieces of gear from them, uh, just because I think that that's a, a hole in a lot of guys' systems is the um, is rain gear or something to keep you out hunting um, in that annoying um, light rain style of uh, weather. So, uh, just want to put that out there. Uh, real thankful to to Huntworth and all of our sponsors, all of those. Uh, guys, this podcast is uh, kind of goes against maybe one of our sponsors. The, the, Carl uh, works for uh, a rival, a competitor uh, saddle company. Uh, but up at the Total Archery Challenge, uh, we were shooting together on the line up there, and, and I, we've known 
talked to Carl ever since uh, that company became a thing and uh, talked to him shooting some traditional bows up there. Um, and he was talking up this bow um, that he hunted with. And then he goes on to say that it's a hundred dollar bow off of Amazon. And uh, I couldn't like wrap my head around that. I mean, the bow that I have, I feel like I got for a steal at like $300, $350, something like that. But if you were to buy that bow um, new and pretty, it would be, you know, over a thousand dollars. Even the bow that we gave away that, that bear Montana longbow, which was a nice shooting bow. Uh, it's a one piece longbow. Uh, it's still $400. So for somebody who doesn't really know if they want to have, you know, go down that rabbit hole, you know, even $400 to spend is, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want to commit to that, but for a hundred dollars or, or less, I think these bows are actually like $90 on Amazon. That's an easy, uh, father's day gift or a birthday present or a Christmas gift when you don't know, you know, what to ask for. Um, we spend more than that on, on beer, on definitely on archery equipment, definitely on clothing, saddle gear, uh, any of that stuff. So this is a, a, a podcast and, and once you listen to it, you'll hear Carl is, is passionate about this bow in particular. Um, but knows what he's talking about. He isn't just saying, okay, well, uh, it's worked for me, so it's got to be great. Uh, he has a, a, a very vast background uh, in traditional archery. And we are going to give one of these bows away. So um, I was talking to Carl, and I said, you know, for the price of this, I think we're just going to give one away. Um, you can follow along with us a little bit to, to figure out how we're going to do that. But basically, um, we're going to get one of these bows. We are going to have... Uh, we're going to send it to Carl. He's going to set it up because on the podcast, he outlines uh, some of the things that you can do to this bow to, to make it better. Um, you know, cause out of the box, it, it does need a little bit of tweaking. Um, and we're going to get it, uh, in the hands of somebody to just, just try, just, just kind of maybe, uh, give you, you know, the, from the drug dealer mentality, uh, the first one's free. Right. But, um, you know, for a hundred bucks, you know, and with uh, the support of all the Patreons, all the sponsors, everything that we've got going on with the show, uh, we owe that to you guys, the listener. So we're certainly going to do that. Um, and, you know, with our our uh, sponsors and Patreons and all that, um, give a shout out to, you know, obviously Huntworth, uh, Latitude with their new sticks. If anybody's going to be down in uh, Tennessee at the Mobile Hunters Expo or the one up here in Kalamazoo, Latitude's going to be there. Uh, sticks are going to be shipping here very soon, but you'll be able to get your hands on them, see them, um, play with them there. Big shot targets. Brandon Pirelli just shot uh, a great bear uh, in New Brunswick. Uh, his first bear uh, shot up with a bow. Awesome can't wait to get him on here. Uh, but their targets, I've got the one in my basement, uh, I've been shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. And, uh, I, I continue to, um, be impressed with, uh, the quality of those targets. And you can use, uh, code BHC, uh, for 10% off on their website. Uh, but remember those guys are just great dudes. Um, vitalized seed. We're finally getting some rain. So our food plots are going to be doing, 
doing a little bit better was just talking to Mark about um, getting that seed in the ground and kind of watching the weather um, and figuring out how we're going to do that. Uh, the guys at Zinger giving away, you know, not only Zingers now, but a dozen arrows of their Kanadi arrows. Um, phenomenal arrows. Uh, shot really well for me at TAC. And uh, Austin at Genesis 3D uh, saw up at TAC, he's just released those stick clips for the uh, latitude sticks, um, as well as that bridge separator. Um, I don't remember what the name of it is, uh, but those are just keep selling out, selling out, selling out. And uh, like I said, I was a little skeptical about that product until I got it in my hand and uh, spent some time in the saddle with it and uh, really, really works uh, great. But for, for all of the, the support from them and the giveaways and everything that they do for us, um, we're going to we're going to put some of those resources into giving away one of these bows, uh, because it's the right thing to do. And, uh, from the Patreon standpoint, we're going to be doing those giveaways. Like I said, I was wrong. Uh, first week in, uh, July, uh, when the quarter comes to an end and, uh, we'll be getting those giveaways out to you. But, uh, Josh, uh, Lazawi, uh, out of Ohio as our latest Patreon. Um, I did get yours the, your t-shirt and your swag pack, uh, that was shipped out. And, uh, some of the other, uh, sending out a saddle f- to try out to uh, Mike and, uh, Robbie needed a tether sending out all that stuff to our patrons because we've built the community and, uh, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to curate. Uh, if you guys want to be a part of that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash bullhunter chronicles podcast. But, um, if not, don't worry about it. Tell somebody about this podcast tell somebody about our podcast, tell somebody about what we're doing over here. But this podcast, if you were ever interested in shooting traditional bows, didn't know where to start, didn't really know what what to buy, how to go about it, um, this is the podcast for you. I know you're going to enjoy it. Thanks, as always, for listening. All right, everybody, Adam back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast and uh, definitely a bow hunting podcast, a archery podcast today. Um, Carl Kasuth, uh switching it up. He's he's usually on these things talking about saddles and uh, all of the neat new gear and his sewing and, and, and all the things that he does. Um, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, traditional archery. Uh, if you go back, um, he's got a great video. Uh, um, a really uh, pure uh, video uh, shooting a really nice buck uh, last year, two years ago with uh, with the longbow, I believe. Um, you know, wh- one of those things that you always dream of, and I guess what's maybe like the the biggest fear for someone switching to traditional gear is you say, "Well, we're going to go out with no expectations. We're just going to shoot a doe." And then uh, a buck walks in, and and I think you missed the doe, as a matter of fact, and shot the buck, or maybe there was two, there was two shots involved there. Um, yeah. But uh, but gonna gonna talk about that. So how are you doing this morning, Carl? I'm good, man. I'm doing all right. Doing okay. Yeah, it's uh, a little muggy here this morning in Missouri. I think that humidity is getting ready to kick in. We've been pretty spoiled so far this year, but uh, it's kind of hazy and a little bit muggy out there. But it's okay. So I want to go into like a little bit of your, your hunting background to like kind of where you started and, and kind of how you've come. But, uh, I don't know if you remember, but the first time I ever met Carl, we were, um, at an ATA before tethered was even at ATA. We were staying at this little crappy, 
hotel by ata standards for sure uh eating the breakfast buffet and i think it was you and chad and we're like oh hey how's it going you know yeah we're here with uh with tethered we're all staying everywhere we're just checking it out just kind of walking through uh in the very very early days and it sounds like that was you know five or so years ago because you said uh tethered has their five-year thing coming up right yeah, that, that was me and Sean Chadwick. Um, Arnie and Greg were kind of separated from us doing their thing. And me and Sean were doing our thing, kind of looking for manufacturers. But that would have been uh, the 2019. I think it would have been 18. 18. 18. Yeah, 2018 ATA show, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah, this this June, this month is our, uh, it's our, it's Heather's five-year anniversary. And we're very very excited about that. We got a lot going on and a lot of things coming, but yes, Sean Chadwick and I, um, whenever we, we met up with you over there at that, at that ATA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so what, how did you come up hunting? Like what, how are you introduced to the sport and archery and all of that? Uh, well, I got my, my, I think I got my first bow when I was four or five. Um, it was a, uh, I don't know if you, if you remember them, they probably still make them, but they were called critter getters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little red compound. It's got the hinge, but the, the wheel hangs from it. They're like a 10, 15 pound draw or something like that. That was my very first bow I ever had. And then I just went from there. I had a Martin Lynx that I shot forever and stepped into a high country when they came out, you know, I went through the whole like nothing unusual, you know, as far as like the progression into archery. Um, my entire family has been in archery, you know, since I was a little kid, my dad, um, was one of my dad, my youngest brother, two of the, the best crack shots I've ever known in my life. Uh, they always downplay it, but they're, they're, they're shots. Both of them are. And my middle brother, he's, he's big into hunting, not so much the target shooting. Um, yeah, just kind of been a family thing, uh, ever since I was a kid. And, um, I started hunting. I think I, I, well, I started going with my dad when I was really young and we'd just sit on the ground and he was really good at, at calling in deer and stuff and getting them, getting them close. So I was able to see him, um, never, never able to actually see him take a shot or anything with his bow from the ground, but I was able to go with him. I started venturing off on my own pretty quick. Um, probably around 12 or 13, I think. And, um, you know, just going out on my own and, uh, yeah, I, I shot my, shot my first, Shot my first deer when I was probably 13, I think. Unfortunately, did not recover it. Everybody thought that I was going to. My my uncle and cousin were down. My cousin was actually sitting there whenever I shot it. Um, but yeah, um, I was quite dejected my first go around right out of the gate, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I hunted through high school. Nothing major, you know, a couple of those here and there. And um, then I went in the military right out of high school and kind of hung it up for for a while, about seven years in total. And whenever I I moved back home and got right back into it, and that's whenever I I, I kind of discovered traditional archery, um, you know, as as an adult basically, I was in my uh, uh, early twenties and uh, started started messing around with the traditional archery. And, and stuff. And I would say since then to now, so the last 20 plus years, I've primarily been hunting um, with traditional archery equipment. I've had a few compound seasons peppered in there. Um, 
and I, I had reasons for those, which now I realize were kind of unfounded and unnecessary. Um, but yeah, primarily just, you know, just been, been with the uh, stick bows, whether it's a long bow or, or a recurve. Um, I have nothing against shooting compounds at all. I've enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, the, the last year I hunted with a, with a compound, I think I killed five deer, <laughs> you know, that was after my, um, my, uh, North Dakota hunt. I, I, I don't know if you ever, if you've seen that, that was from two years ago. The one you just mentioned was from last year, that buck from, from last year, but two years ago, well, it would have been 20, yeah, 2021. I, um, or no, it would have been 20, 2020 up in North Dakota. I, uh, I shot that, that velvet buck, um, in the hips and just botched that shot so bad. It's, I shouldn't have been shooting that far. And basically what happened, you know, I've been dropping 30 yard bombs plus out here at home, uh, leading up to deer season and just owning it, you know, just absolutely crushing it. And, you know, there's a saying, you know, nobody can beat you in your own backyard. And, and I think that's true for most people who shoot a lot, but whenever you get out in the wild, into everything changes. Murphy's law comes into play. The deer wants to live. It's going to move around, you know, and do different things. And, um, uh, I still don't know what happened with that shot, but regardless, I hit him way back through the hips. Luckily got in the guts, hit some, uh, some, uh, uh I think clipped up an artery or something, but recovered the deer the next, the next morning. So that worked out. You know, we didn't push it at all that evening. So did everything right. The shot sucked, but from that point forward, we did everything right and had a successful recovery on it. But that, that deer, it spooked me. I, I really, my confidence was really, really hurt as far as shooting trad gear after that, that, that buck. And, um, so the following year I, I picked up my, my Matthews and I went out and I, like I said, I killed like five deer that season. I never even touched uh, any of my, any of my, my long bows or recurves. And so then last year, I started out in North Dakota with my compound and couldn't get on any deer up there. It was, just, it was terrible hunting. And then came home and said, screw it. And I, and I, and I picked up my longbow and just started shooting out here. But the difference was, is that I completely changed the way I looked at it and how I approached it in a hunting situation. Um, I put a self-imposed shot limitation on myself of 20 yards. And that was my max. I prefer to be that 15 to 17 yards is like my bread and butter. That's, I can almost shoot that without even thinking about it. Cause my mind's eye, that, that sight picture is so developed at that 15 to 17 yard range. I can do a hold. I can hold for three, four, 10 seconds, whatever, or I can snap shoot. It doesn't matter. But I put that self-imposed uh, shot distance on myself and just accepted the fact that if it's outside of this 20 yard radius from my, my set, it doesn't exist. Just enjoy the show and be glad to see the deer. You know, that's kind of the way I approached it. And from, from that point, once I took that mindset, it was gravy from there. Um, because, you know, I, I, the only limitation in my opinion that you have with a traditional bow is range. That's it. To me, there are no other downsides. Some people say, well, they're long and this and that and shoot them out of the saddle. I disagree, you know, because it's just like anything else. If you practice it, it's going to become second nature and you're going to be able to do it just fine. 
you know, I've killed three or four deer over the bridge weak side with a 62 inch bow, you know, so it's, it's, it ain't nothing but a thing if you practice it, but, but yeah, once I, once I, once I changed the way I looked at traditional archery from a hunting perspective, um, I go, my, um, I guess my confidence with it is just through the roof that hunt you mentioned earlier. I missed that doe. Um, she sprawled on me big time. She just flat out ducked me. My left and right was perfect. I was so proud of the shot because I did everything I was supposed to do, except I, I don't think I'm going to run a deer anymore. Because <laughs> that, yeah, that, that grunt just gets them all 10 step. I might just say, hey, or hi, or something before I let the arrow go. I don't know. But yeah, I missed that doe. And then an hour later, the buck came through and I shot him through the heart. Um, you know, but the cool thing is, is that doe didn't rattle me at all. It didn't like hurt me mentally um, for the buck that was, that was getting ready to come around. Um, you know, I just accepted it for what it was and just moved on. Have you ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of food plot seed mixes out there? Well, you are not alone. And Vitalized Seed has developed a seed program that takes the guesswork out of food plotting. Vitalized Seed has two core mixes, the Nitro Boost and Carbon Load, to keep it simple. Nitro Boost is their spring-summer food plot mix, and Carbon Load is the fall plot mix, each having a diverse mix of over a dozen different seed types that are highly attractive to whitetail. Food plotting made simple, but it gets even better. Each mix provides necessary nutrients to the soil, making for better plots each season and saving you money by needing less Roundup and less fertilizer each season. The 1-2 system simplifies your food plots just how nature intended. Vitalize Seed. Make biology work for you. Order now at vitalizeseed.com. So what do you think that is from a traditional standpoint? And it's it's funny because kind of how this podcast came about was we were up on the line at the Total Archery Challenge and we were messing around with the bare bows and you were kind of showing Andrew and you know, we we're like, oh well, well, we'll shoot for a bow or or whatever. And you know, you you shoot, and and the the day before with your own bow, you were shooting the ninety yard bison or whatever. And there's a video of that. And yeah. you, you you take a you take a long shot, and then the next one you just like snap shoot it right. And I'm like, oh man, that wasn't a very long hold. And you're like, sometimes if you feel it, if it's there, it's there. And I feel the exact same way. Um, in, in kind of from like, I don't know why, but I think it's okay to miss with, with the traditional bow, like, like what you said, like how that, that shot didn't rattle you. You you made a good shot. I feel like with a, a, a compound, you're required to, to hit what you're aiming at every single time. Like, and it, people who don't shoot a lot probably don't understand this, but like when I'm shooting on our indoor league, I can make a really good, clean shot and miss and feel better about it. it with, this is with my compound, it, but not hit the spot. Or I can do a, a, a drive-by target panic and shoot a 15 that scores a lot better. But in my head, I'm like, that's awful. With a traditional mm-hmm. bow – like when you hit what you're aiming at or when the arrow goes where it's supposed to, it's like the most 
it's such an awesome feeling. But then when you when you miss, even if you miss by, you know, a quarter of an inch or a half inch, inch, whatever, you're like, man, that was fun. Like, it, like I don't, you don't have the same like reaction, or at least I don't at this point. Why do you suppose that is? I think I think a lot of the stressors aren't there with traditional archery. Oh, by the way, if I only missed by a quarter or a half inch and that was a bad shot, I, I'll, I'll take that all day. <laughs> uh, but no, I, to me, I don't think a lot of the stressors are, are here with, tr- with traditional bows. Um, I think a lot of it's because of the simplicity of them. Um, you know, it, it, you know, take all the, the modern components and materials that they build limbs and stuff out of, take all that out of it, and you strip, strip it down to its bare essence. Essentially, it's a stick and a string. You know, that is really what they are. Um, doesn't matter. Longbow, recurve, takedown, three-piece, doesn't matter. Um, there's something about shooting one of these, and, and it's archery in its simplest form, basically. And it just, for me, it's just like a, it, it's a, it's the anti-stressor, I guess you would say. I mean, with with modern archery and compounds and releases and movable sights and adjustable stabilizers, multiple strings, the, the tolerances and the precision that has gone into archery is so profound now. It's so, so incredible. Um, they damn near shoot themselves. They really do. They're so, so accurate. And to hear on your first point, like you can uh, – you mentioned you shouldn't be missing with um, especially like a 20, you know, 20 yards or whatever. You should not be missing your spot with the, the equipment they have now. And I agree with that to a point because they are so accurate and, and you know, and, and everything is uh, just so precise on them. But when you are two, three, four inches off the mark at 20 yards with a, with a long bow or a stick bow, you just smile, you know, it's just like, I don't know. It, it, being able to see the flight of your arrow is something also um, that is um, very underappreciated by if you don't shoot slower bows, you know, like my, my fastest, all my, because of the arrow weights I choose, um, I shoot between 11 and a half and 13 grains per pound of draw weight on all my hunting arrows, well, arrows in general. So my bows are kicking it out there between 165 and 175 depending on if it's a longbow or recurve limbs on it so they're not fast by any means and i usually have a, a white um feather combination on them uh, on my arrows so i can i can see them you know real, really really well as they're going down range but seeing the flight of that arrow is just very satisfying and you know the instant i mean the instant you release the string on a trad bow if it's going where you, you want it to go or not. Um, it's just a thing like, you know, when you shoot enough and, you know, day in, day out, you know, as soon as you let that string go, if it's a good shot or not, but yeah, seeing, seeing the flight of that arrow, um, you know, just, you can, you can sit there and chase that, chase that spot all day long, you know, and not ever like drill it and hit it. And, but you're, but when you, when you step back and you look at it for, at the big picture of what you're doing, you're shooting really well. Cause most of the time I shoot, I shoot at a, a spot, whether it's in the garage, 
if I'm shooting the garage, it's a spot about the size of the bottom of a coffee cup. And if I'm outside, I've got my Reinhardt gear targets and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it, it's, I forgot what the original question was you asked me. <laughs> no, just about, about traditional archery. Like why is it more like satisfying or like, why is it okay to, to, to not, be as precise um in in our mind because everything that you're well, saying i say everything that you're saying yes, there you're with with the with the with the compound bows and everything like that like you just draw to here anchor here line this up line this up line this up and then when you you know maybe when you draw your traditional bow maybe you have a click Maybe you touch the uh, fletching to your nose. Maybe you walk the string or maybe you hold your point an arbitrary amount above the target, but there, it isn't like dialed into the millimeter. Right. And this, um, if there's any trad guys, uh, diehard tragedies who, who are listening to this podcast, this is probably going to cause a little bit of controversy, but um, all those things you just mentioned, I do all of them, all of them. Um, I may do none of them one day and I may do all of them the next. So I just turned 48 in April and it took me a long, long time to figure this out when it comes to traditional archery. It is not the bow. It is the shooter every time. Um, You know, it's, I, I, you can, you can take a a thousand dollar bow and a hundred dollar bow and you put them in the right hands and you're going to get the same result. Um, and it's all because of the shooter. And I, I think one of the things that one of the reasons that shooting the traditional archery is so satisfying is because like you said, you've got all these things with compounds that you have to line up. You've got your grip, you've got your, your sight and your peep sight correlation. Then you've got your bubble on your site. Then you've got your release. You've got that anchor point. You may be shooting back tension you know, there's there's so many things that come into play and you have to get all this set and dialed before you ever even think about letting that arrow go. Um, I've already shot two or three arrows by then, <laughs> you know, and one of them I may have short draw a half inch. The other one I may have pulled really tight into, you know, feathered the nose, held, 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 held. Sight picture was right. Let it go. Um I spent so many years trying to do this style or that style, gap shooting, instinctive, um, you know, doing this with my grip, doing this. And it's there's good things to be learned from all those styles. Um, I had a fixed crawl. I shoot three under now. That's all I shoot. I had a fixed crawl I was playing with for a while years ago. But um, I came to the conclusion for me anyway, I'm not a, I'm not a competitive 3d shooter or spot shooter. There are some very, very good ones out there. You'll see them on the Lancaster classic every year. You get your John Dimmers. There's some guys out there, um, you know, that are hit the 3d circuits who are very, very good at their craft and they do it everything in a very specific way. I'm, I'm not hunting spots. You know, I'm, I'm hunting critters, live animals. So, um, like whenever I go out here and I shoot at my Reinhardt target, 
I got a couple of deer targets out there. You know, they've got the rings, you know, you know the eight and the 10, the 12 or whatever. Um, I don't aim at them at all. I can see that crease in that in that mold. I'm aiming at that crease. I'm trying to crease them. Every single shot is what I'm trying to do. Um, and when I go up there and pull my arrows and, and it's a great group or whatever, they're all eights, <laughs> basically, because I'm not aiming at that at those at those spots because um, that's not what I'm what I'm out to do. But I think, yeah, the satisfaction um, just comes in the simplicity of it. And and you're replacing all the mechanical stuff in that compound from the 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 release. I mean, you look at some of the releases they have now, you know, you you know, you've got the. Um, uh, what's what's Chris? What's Chris B's? Uh, oh, the Ultra View, the hinge. Yeah, the hinge, the button release. You've got Dudley's stuff, knock to it. Love those releases. Stands. You've got all these releases, and they're just super precise. I mean, they are like like NASA precise. And then the bows themselves. You know, all these bows now are running neck and neck with their technology, and and everything. So you're taking all of that. And you're now making your own body responsible for all of that. Um, so you're, you are trying to be that precise. Don't get me wrong. I am always trying to hit the, you know, hit the hair off a gnat's ass. You know, that's, that's what I'm always trying to do. Very rarely am I successful, but that's the goal. So when you do have those days and those rounds where you go out and you're just smack, 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 smack and arrows every, every, that's when you know the machine which is you is in tune. All, all those tolerances are very tight and very precise. Um, and so, so yeah, you're, you're putting everything on you instead of all the, all the mechanical stuff that goes along with shooting a compound bow, I think. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about and, and specifically what you were talking about, about, about bows and, and things like that is, you know, when we are at the total archery challenge, you're saying I sold all my high end bows. I'm using a hundred dollar, Amazon bow. Uh, so I'd like you to yeah. talk about that, but also what I'd like to know, it, because it's something that it escapes me and you can use it. Um, I understand it, mostly because of John and because of, you know, going down this, this, this path here with the podcast and all that stuff. Um, you know, spining arrows and, you know, uh, left hair, right tear, um, all that stuff, like where you're supposed to be, uh, center shot. And I know that all of that stuff applies in some degree, or it should apply a hundred percent to traditional equipment, but you don't have the same things to adjust. You're not adjusting the rest. You can adjust your knock point. You can, you, there, there are some things you can adjust. And, uh, when you talk about um, or talk to guys that are really into the traditional archery, you know, they're like, okay, well I put you, it's this many twists and I got this from a brace height. And I, so can you talk about the, the tuning and the arrow, um, stuff that goes along with bows and then like what, what goes into like a good bow or a, a, a usable huntable bow? Yeah, Absolutely. And again, so it doesn't matter. This applies to the thousand dollar bow. This applies to the hundred dollar bow. So here's the hundred dollar bow right here. This is the this is the black hunter longbow. Uh, yeah, I mean it's made in China. It's an Amazon bow. Um, hate it if you want. We live it. We, we live in a world economy now. That's just the way it is. You know, um, 
they're not perfect when you get them, but with just a, a few little uh, tweaks and adjustments, you can make them incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, so, yeah, first thing I'll talk about, this is obviously this is a three piece um, takedown bow uh, with a with a reflex deflex uh, limb on it. Uh, there's bamboo core limbs. They're just your standard standard limbs. This bow is uh, 60 inches long, um, string knock to string knock. And I've been running, uh, running them at whether it's the recurve limbs or the, the longbow limbs. I've been running them at right around seven and three quarter inch brace height. Now, brace height does a couple of things. Um, it can affect the tune of your arrow um, to a certain degree. Uh, if you have, if you don't have a unlimited supply of different spine arrows, and you're at least in the ballpark on your spine, which I'll get into you can adjust this. You can make that arrow stiffer or weaker depending on how you adjust the brace height. Um, so as a right-handed shooter, um, whenever my arrow goes into the target, if it's too stiff, it's going to kick as I'm looking at the target, it's going to kick to my right. It'll be in that. It'll, it'll kind of start flying that way and it'll be, it'll go into the target with the knock going to the right as a right-handed shooter, if that arrow is too stiff for the bow, um, and that's the spine of it. And if it's too stiff, that, that means that you're, you're, you need to, um, go to a, a lower spine arrow, um, or depending on the arrow manufacturer, it'd be a weaker spine, not lower. Cause some, generally the lower, the number, the higher the spine for the stiff of the spine. So you're going to go to a weaker spine arrow, um, or you need to, uh, have a, a more, a, a bow with more weight, which generally you don't want to do. So you just want to find the arrow that's pretty much fine for, for what you want to do. Um, as far as the bow itself, do not over bow yourself. I don't care if you're pulling an 80 pound compound and you want to start shooting a trad bow, get a 40 or 45 pound bow. Um, you can literally, you can kill deer with either one of them. Promise you no problem. Uh, there's been more deer killed with 45 pound bear recurves than probably all the compounds put together. Um, but yeah, the, the spine is uh, pretty critical to get the most out of your bow. So like this bow is 46 pounds and at, at a 28 inch drawing. Uh, that's another thing about the Amazon bow. I think these, these limbs were supposed to be fifties, 50 pounders. It's, it's kind of fun in a way because when you start playing with the limbs, you don't know what you're going to get. You may want a set of fifties and they may be sixties. <laughs> it just depends. Um, and then, then the, the tiller will be, uh, off on them or whatever, but you can, you can adjust all that. Um, but yeah, so the, if, if I lower the brace height on this, so I take twist out of the string, I make it longer and I, and the, so the, the brace height gets lower. That's going to make the bow shoot, um, generally faster, harder, and the reason why is because the string has more contact for a longer period of time with the arrow than at the higher brace height. So at the higher brace height, it's letting go here. And at the lower brace height, it's letting go here. So now you've got this extra. Now that's very, I'm being, being very dramatic there. We're, we're talking quarter inch to three quarter inch adjustments on brace heights. So that's going to, by, by having that longer contact with the arrow, that's going to push your arrow um, harder, longer, and make it behave st like a stiffer arrow. 
Um, so again, if that arrow goes into the target and it's too stiff, you might try lowering your brace height to put more energy into it to bring it back around to center. Um, I bear shaft tune every every set of limbs, every bug I've ever had. That's all I do. No feathers at all. Start off at about eight feet and make sure it's like in the ballpark. And then I'll start backing up. If it flies really good at eight feet, I'll back up and I'll keep doing that. Um, I should be able to take, if I'm doing my part and have a good, good crisp release, um, I should be able to shoot a bear shaft from 20 yards with a field point and it fly reasonably straight and go right where I want it to go. Um, if you are completely off the chart with your, with your release, if you pluck a lot, drag your release, if you don't have a clean release, um, <clears throat> And this is not this has nothing to do with all those different shooting styles I was talking about. This is just being clean off the string. If you're clean off the string with your release, you can bear shaft tune arrows. If you're not, you're going to be chasing your tail because you're going to be getting all of these different readings. Your, your arrow may throw weak one shot and then it may go stiff the next shot. It may go knock high in one shot. If you're not consistent with your release, <clears throat> you will not be able to, to bear shaft tune properly. But if you are, then you can. Um, so yeah, I'll just bear shaft tune. And uh, once once I know that um, I'm, I'm pretty much down the center, um, I know my spine is, is correct for the bow. My brace height's pretty good. Um, if I got any porpoising, which would be knock high, coming out of the bow knock high, it's one of two things. Either my knock point's too low and I'm getting a false, a false positive because I'm getting slap off of the shelf um, or I need, I just need, I need to, I need to raise that knock height to get it to keep from, from porpoising and hitting the shelf uh, going down range. And those are very fine tuned micro adjustments. Um, so that's the brace height. Also you can affect uh, if, if you've got a really good arrow set up and it's very forgiving. And by forgiving, I mean um, <clears throat> I can take the same arrow and shoot it in probably four different bow setups, you know, ranging from a 43 pound up to a 50 pound and get pretty good results out of it. So it's forgiving the fact that I can take it across a pretty wide spectrum of, of bows, but every bow seems to have a sweet spot for brace height. And the sweet spot is subjective, depends on what you're looking for. Depends on if you're wanting the most speed out of that bow and performance, or if you're wanting it to be the quietest it can be and um, the most forgiving it can be. Generally, bows that have a longer brace height are going to be more forgiving and um, generally a little quieter also. <clears throat> but the, the the perceived quietness can be tricky when you're the shooter. It's best if you got somebody around who can like stand off to the side and hear it. They can really tell you, okay, I'm hearing some twanging or something like that. And you can make adjustments from there. But the limb designs are what's going to determine if you're getting that, that loudness or string uh, vibration. Um, by and large, generally, your longbows are going to be more forgiving and more quiet than a recurve. Because you don't have that recurve of the limb. You don't have that string contact. Um, it's inevitable you're going to get string slap on a recurve. That's just the way that goes. Um, and then we have, uh, what else were we talking about there? Tiller. So the tiller on the, on the bow is 
um, the the measurements at a exact point on the top and the bottom limbs. And with the takedown, I just use the riser. You know, I'll just I'll put a uh, I got a, a, a metal ruler. I'll just bump the riser and go straight out perpendicular, ninety degrees to the string, and take that measurement. And I'll do that on both ends. If you have a one piece bow, some people will use um, the fade outs. It's a little wedge of wood in there. And right there where it fades into nothing, they'll use that as their measuring point. Or you can, to be even more precise, you can just take a, a tape measure or a yardstick and go from the very end of the limb and come down to, a, say, 18, 19 inches, whatever you want to make it, somewhere in here. And put a little mark with a pencil and you make it the same on both limbs, that mark, and then measure from that mark. So what you're after um, is you're wanting to see what the tiller is on each limb. Uh, all of these bows, and it even says so on the on the Amazon website, they come with a positive tiller, which is kind of very, very uncommon um, to, to my understanding. Uh, you even want an even tiller or, an, or a negative tiller. So basically, like on this bow, it has an eighth inch negative tiller, meaning, let's see, this... Um, this measurement here on the top limb is uh, seven and three eighths from there to the string. On the bottom limb, it's seven and a half. So that's an eighth inch different negative tiller. So this is a longer measurement here than the shorter one. And that's be, I want that because I shoot three under. This, this limb is already um, uh, getting a head start on the draw because of that measurement. And I'm pulling down here, or I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up higher than, than the middle of the grip. Um, so basically what you're, what you're wanting to do is you're wanting, when you release the string, you're, you're wanting these limbs to react at the same time and bottom out at the same time. And that's what makes for a shoot, a smooth shooting bow. Um, a lot of people who shoot split finger, meaning, you know, they've got one, one finger above the knock and two below, will shoot an even tiller um bow because they're putting more pull up on this top limb uh than the bottom limb but that's the basics of tiller there's tons of people who are a lot more knowledgeable than i am um, on youtube and different things who can who talk more about tiller um, on the bows uh, going back to us shooting for those shooting those bear bows at the tack so it was we picked up those bows you remember we were shooting those things they, they do just had a handful of arrows and I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> it was, they were both porpoising like crazy, just like traveling, like, yeah, knock eye, bad, slapping off the, the risers. You know, they, they just grab a handful of arrows and throw them out there. And, and uh, yeah, there was no rhyme or reason for, uh, they were shooting the same arrows out of the 40 pound bows that, that they, I think they had a couple higher weight bows there. I can't remember, but yeah, they were, they were all mostly stiff and they just slapped knocks on the strings. And they were just, it was crazy where they were at. Um, but yeah, that kind of, that drove me nuts. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were, that last arrow I grabbed out of the, the scrap bucket they have there at the line, the, the found arrows. I think I, I shot that one arrow and it, it had a zinger on it. It had a zinger fletch on it and it flew just as good <laughs> <laughs> as the ones that they brought. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, how did you land on that particular bow? Because it, it would seem, 
uh, counterintuitive, right? So if you've got these high end or you're talking to custom makers and you're obviously further down this rabbit hole where you're doing all the measurements and all the everything. And like, at what point do you say, I want to see what this, this bow is, or did you actually get your hands on one? Man, I was, um, they just, they, the black hunter started popping up in my feed on Facebook and recommended videos. There was, a uh, you know, the, the black hunter longbow reviews. Uh, there's a guy called, his name's Kramer Amons. He's got a, a, a fairly large traditional archery channel. He did a great review on the black hunter, uh, longbow. He compared him with basically it was a, it was a review of all of these, um, there's like seven or eight bows on Amazon, all under $200. Um, and this was one of them and it's well under 200. And then there's, um, the, uh, the guy off what's the great plains. I think, let me see here. Yeah. Great plains bow company. He's, he has on YouTube, he's got a series on this black hunter, um, showing some of the things you can do to it to really take it to the next level from being out of the box. But yeah, I started seeing this thing. Guys were just talking it up. You know, they were saying, man, this thing shoots. And so I, I found it on Amazon. I was looking, I was like, this thing's a hundred dollar bill. I'm like, really? And I was like, okay, you know, I can, I, I've made a lot worse decisions with a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> you know, So I, I grabbed one and uh, just, just started playing around with it. Now, lucky for me, I've been I've been doing this for quite a while. I've I've made a few of my own bows from from uh, you know you know, laminated bows and, and different things. I, I made my own little ILF bow um, several years ago, so I'm comfortable with hacking and filing and carving on risers and limbs and stuff like that. And um, so I got it, and the first thing I noticed was the riser shelf. It's because of the, the the these risers, I'm sure, are cut out in a CNC machine. But the shelf had a huge um, radius in it. Like it was like the the it was like the end of the sharpie. It it, it was just really rounded. So there wasn't like a defined shelf. If if you tried to put an arrow on there, it would just slide off. Um, so I took a small round file and a flat file and filed that down. If you go to that that uh, Great Plains Bow Company, he's got a three or four part video on him redoing this black hunter longbow and he does exactly that very detailed and super awesome if you're interested in one of these um so yeah i within 20 minutes i had the shelf lined out where it needed to be and um i took a a file to the one of the string grooves because it was a little bit off center um and lengthened it out a little bit and made it a little bit deeper hit it all with 220 sandpaper sprayed it with some uh some matte finish and that was it on this particular one um you know, some of them you, you might find you get a little bit of a limb twist or whatever you can. It's, it's all very, very easy to, to, to manage and, and take care of with basically sandpaper and a couple files. Anybody can do it. And, you know, you're in, you're in that, that game for a hundred dollars. But honestly, the first time I shot this bow, like as soon as I got it, I didn't even shoot it. Like, Cause I saw that, that I saw the, the riser, that shelf. I'm like, okay, I'm going to fix that right out of the gate. Cause I kind of already went down the rabbit hole before the, the bow even got to me. And I, I'd found that video series knew what I was probably going to have to do. So I did that. You know, I took care of the riser and make sure the limbs were good and everything. And when I put it together and I shot it the first time I was pissed, I was very upset. 
because it shot so good, so good. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? This is a hundred dollar bow and it shoots better than some thousand dollar bows I've had my hands on. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, all right. And a lot of that may be, you know, as you go down your traditional journey and, and you do it more and more, if you, if you practice the craft, you're inevitably going to get better at it, you know? So, so I'll, I'll chalk some of that up to just experience. I've gotten a little bit better throughout the years. I'm not a Byron Ferguson by any means, you know, but I've gotten better at it. So that could have been part of it. But then I really started, <laughs> I started to look every bow I, every bow I shoot and then I get, um, I always do it without a quiver. I hunt with a quiver all the time. It's always on there. But when I'm first shooting a bow, I want to feel the true essence of that bow, so to speak. I want to feel what that bow is doing, what kind of feedback I'm getting from it. Am I getting some vibration? Does it feel like, you know, one limb is stiffer than the other <clears throat> string slap on the arm? You know, that's another thing. Adjusting the brace height can help cure if you're getting string slap. Some people have to wear an arm guard no matter what bow they shoot. It's just the way they're built. It's however their arm is. They can't get it out of the way for whatever reason they need to wear an arm guard. But <clears throat> I started I started just really shooting this bow and getting the feel for it. And it was just that good. It, it, it just kept performing. And it was, an, it was an absolute joy to shoot. It really was. And um, that's whenever I was just like, okay, so... I ordered another set of limbs for it and they arrived and I put them on and the fitment on this bow is it's crappy. Right. I mean, like, like there's like a little ledge right here. It may not fit perfectly right here. Those are things that you're not going to get out of the box on one of these. You're just not, I don't personally care. I'm out. It, it's not a closet queen. I'm not putting in any beauty contest. It's out. It's to kill animals. That's what it's for. And, uh, I put those other ones on. Perfect. Um, so at this point, I have two risers and I have four sets of longbow limbs and I have four sets of recurve limbs. And if you do the math on that, that comes out to five hundred dollars. And I essentially have eight separate bows. I mean, come on, you know, and they all range from thirty seven pounds to fifty seven pounds. Um, I've made I've made formulas for all of them. I have checked all the limbs if they need some tweaks or a little filing or something done. If I need to swap them on, on pretty much every set of every set of limbs I got for this thing, record or longbow, I had to swap. They had the little Chinese writing that was supposed to be on the bottom limb. Well, they all come positive tiller and I want a negative tiller. So automatically their bottom limb, I put on the top and then checked it. Okay. Confirmed. Yes. Now I'm negative tiller. So I would take some goof off and get rid of that. And then I put my own, I get a paint pen and I put my own, um, you know, like this says 46 to 28. So I've got my own um, true weights on there. I got very accurate, actual weights on all the limbs at 28 inches. Um, so, yeah, that's how I ended up here. And um, I have zero regrets. I, I got I, I, I really I, I sold all my high end bows. I don't have any more. I got rid of them um, now hate on me, whatever, <laughs> you know, it's, there's a, cause there are, there's, there's two very definitive camps 
especially when it comes to this bow, it seems like you're either all in on it. And I think most people that get up, give it a go and find out that they, they can really enjoy it. And it's not quote unquote, a beginner's bow. You know, you can this turn this thing into a tap driving machine. Um, so yeah, either people are all in on it or you're going to have people in the camp that, you know, you can't beat the, the beauty of a, of a Tolkien or a centaur or a black widow. And just, there's some, there's some bowyers out there who just make amazing bows. They're just beautiful. The craftsmanship's top notch. I mean, it's, they're incredible. But at the end of the day, if it's a traditional built bow, you know, um, action bamboo or bamboo core limbs or whatever, um, the performance is negligible. It really is. You know, I've got a, I've got a, a very precise chronograph sitting out there. I don't care about speed out of these things because I know they're not fast, but I'm curious about it. I always want to compare bow to bow, setup to setup, and just see which setup is doing what. And that's what I use that for. And I have, I've compared this bow to many high end bows right here. Um, you know, that's not speculating. I went out and I did it, you know, um, and we're talking apples to apples, same draw weights, same arrows, the whole nine yards. And at the end of the day, it's, we're talking two, three feet per second difference. You know, sometimes this bow's faster, sometimes that bow's faster, but either way, it doesn't matter because the yardage is on hunting. It just doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I'll, I'll hop on a soapbox for this bow. I will. <laughs> Cause it's, it's, it is that good. It is that good. Well, I think that's great to hear because it's, it's, you know, here on this podcast, you know, John will shoot, he's shooting V3X and, you know, we have the ability to shoot whatever. When we, when the bow shop was handing out free bows, I got the Bowtech Carbon Zion and I have a bear, uh, Alaskan over there, um, simply because I want people to be able to see that, you know, w- whereas that stuff is nice. And I really do, especially after this last tack, that little foot thing on the Matthews w- makes me want to buy one just to have the little stand. Right. I mean, that that's, Oh yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's great. But you know, the bows that I'm shooting are, are, are simple. Uh, same, same story as you. Like I, I have the ability to get whatever bow I want to go out and get with whatever equipment, whatever site. But when you're talking, you know, a $600 site and a $2,000 bow and a $300 rest and, and all this stuff to go out and kill that same deer at 15 yards. And, you know, for a lot of people at, you know, over, over bait or, or, or whatever, you know, who are we really doing it for? And I think from a tradition, from a traditional bow standpoint, I mean, if you don't know anything about them, you don't know the makers, you don't know any of these names, you know, you think of automatically black widow. Okay. Well, it's $1,200. You give them the money. They send you a bow. If you like it, you keep it. If not, you send it back and they'll send you a new one, but it isn't, you know, you, you, you have, the the bow on Amazon where you're like that can't be good, or you have like a a Samic Sage or some of these 
you know, I have a, uh, Martin Jaguar and I've seen like the Kingfishers and stuff like that, where you're in that couple hundred dollar range, that bear Montana longbow. Uh, but other than that, where do you even start? And even like at our club, there's, you know, the, the, the coffee guys who are a hundred years old and they all shoot traditional and they're in there every day at nine o'clock in the morning. So if you want to shoot a bow, but you're talking, you know, 900 to a thousand dollars just to get on the list to, to have somebody make you a bow. So it's really tough right. to, to be like, okay, this is really fun. It's really something that you can really enjoy without that barrier of entry. And I think that this does a, a great job of kind of, kind of bridging that gap. Right. Yeah. Cause if you're not, if you are the, that guy, if you're the new guy and you, you don't know if you're going to even enjoy it, if it's going to be for you, you know, a hundred dollars to find out is, is a pretty, pretty cheap cost of admission, you know, to, to, to see if it's something you're going to enjoy. And, um, yeah, if, if, if you're going to just, just to find out, you know, that's, 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 that's a no brainer to me. And, and then again, with this particular bow, um, it's a good bow. It really is. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, the, 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 other than the fit and finish and that weird thing with the shelf, um, I just, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I just don't. Other than the strings that come with them are pure garbage. They're awful. Like, don't even take it out of the plastic. Just go ahead and throw it in the trash can and be done with it. Um, they're, uh, I don't even know if they're, I don't even know if they're like a, D, a Dynaflight or D97. I'm not sure what they are, but they're just a, it's an endless loop string and it just stretches. It's not consistent. I think for, for any bow, I shoot Flemish twist strings, which means that there's no, you know, it's got the, the twist appearance there at the end. Um, there's only serving here in the middle, not at the ends. Um, I've got a, a buddy on Facebook who makes all my strings for me. I used to make my own. I just don't have time. or I just don't do it anymore, but he makes all my strings. They're Dynafly strings. That's all you need to do. Just put a good quality string on it. Most of these guys out there, you can find them all over the traditional pages on Facebook and stuff, selling their strings. Um, you know, you, you can get them for 30, between 30 and $40 to your door for, for a string for your bow. And, um, yeah, that's the, you put a good string, you put a very, very good string on a quote unquote subpar or inexpensive bow. It changes the bow completely. Um, you know, that, that's that's the Achilles heel for probably a lot of the bows that come out in that uh, that lower price range. This one's not an exception. You know, this one, Sam Sage, you mentioned earlier, and some of those other ones. Um, you know, they just got, they have those 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 cheap strings on them. But uh, but yeah, um, Jason makes these strings for me and puts these little amp steel um, puff balls on them, and they work great. Really like them a lot. So. The, the the next question that the guys are going to have, if if they're listening to this and they're saying, okay, well, you know, I can, I can spend a hundred dollars and, you know, uh, you know, 30, $40 a string. I mean, you, you all in, right. You're basically at the price of a string for your comp, a set of strings for your compound is going to be 150 bucks. 
<laughs> you know, so, At least. so, so, so yeah, so, so you're, you're all in there um, at, at that price recurve versus longbow, like for a guy starting out, trying to enjoy this, you know, wanting to, to dip their feet in, where would you point them or, or how do you, how do you make that distinction? Hmm. I'm not even going to go there <laughs> because that's, that's such a personal thing. Um, I shoot both. Uh, truth be told, I probably shoot this bow with the recurve limbs on it just a hair better than I do the longbow. Um, and I think the only reason for that is because it has a it has a slight speed advantage over the longbow. Uh, recurves are generally faster, um, but it has that slight speed advantage. So therefore, it makes up. For if if I've mentally, if my 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 mind's eyes and my sight picture has mentally screwed up my distance a little bit, that faster, a little bit faster bow, a little bit flatter trajectory can help accommodate that and make up for it and make me look like I'm a better shot than what I actually am. So <clears throat> I shoot a recurve that much better. But <clears throat> having said that, there is something about shooting a longbow. There's a certain reverence to it i guess i don't know it just it just i have a different feel it's got a different vibe when i'm carrying it around um yeah i don't know it's weird that's why i can't really answer that question that's up to the individual i think well um, and it doesn't matter. it does not matter whichever one that strikes your fancy go for it it really doesn't matter other than i do think that the longbow is a little bit more forgiving um, for a, for a new archer, um, just because it, it's, um, you don't have that string contact. You can get away with a little bit more, a little, a little bit more of a, of a, of a not so perfect release or a little bit more string pluck and not have it affect that shot as much as it would with the recurve limbs, I think. Yeah. So I'm just, I always view these things from like the, the listener's perspective, right? So now we've got to the end here and we're like, okay, I'm all in. And then you get to the thing and you're like, okay, well, he kind of said, wait, so like 40 or 45. Okay. All right. Recurve a longbow. Like which one do I click? Right. And to, to that point, like for, for me, like, I just feel like, and it is the, the contact and I don't ever even like equate things to that. But for me, it's always like, I think that the recurve is just more violent like the longbow is just such a pleasure to shoot. Like I enjoy shooting both of them, but because of that contact, there's more vibration. It's, it seems to be louder. And again, I'm not setting up these bows. Like <laughs> they're, they throw the string on there, put an arrow on there. Okay, here we go. Um, but the long, and I have a higher end longbow, but they're just so much everything like they don't stack as much i don't feel like like i at a longer draw i just uh, for me it's just like a pleasure to shoot and i i prior to owning one i couldn't have told you the difference i didn't yeah whatever but you shoot one and you're like oh well that's cool you know yeah yeah you get um yeah i mean looking at it from that that perspective 
and from somebody who is completely a traditional virgin and has never, ever even picked one of these up, then yes, I would go for the longbow. Um, because the rabbit hole only goes deeper. You get into ILF rigs, you get into super, super recurves. That's a whole other ball game. You want to talk about a violent bow. And yeah, the super curves can be tricky, very tricky to tune and all that stuff. But um, that's a whole other podcast. Um, yeah, the longbows are pretty, pretty hard to beat, you know, and, and there's just thing around and shooting that longbow. Um, it just makes you smile. It really, even on a bad day, it, it makes you, it, it just, you feel you're happy to be happy to be shooting them. Um, and the other thing I, I think I would touch on also, um, you know, the, the quality string is so key. It's, it's, it's so, it's so important. Do not overlook, just spend your money on a string. Um, your arrows can be pretty much whatever, you know, um, I've been shooting Eastern Axis arrows since my goodness, I can't remember when. Um, and they, before they even had the Eastern Axis traditionals, now these are discontinued. And now I think they've got the carbon legacy, which I have some of those two great arrows. Um, point, point 0.204 ID, that's my bread and butter. because uh, I love those hit inserts, slide them into any, any of those arrows and, and, and build my arrows. But, um, you know, it's the brand. It doesn't really matter. Um, the main thing is to try is to get the right spine and get that thing as tuned to your bow. Make it as perfect as you can. That way, when you're not perfect on that shot, because you won't be on all of them, you got a little bit of cushion there because you did your due diligence, put the good string on, you bare shaft tuned it, and of course, practice. You know, um, you know, it's gonna just just. You, to hone the craft, you've got to, you've got to do it. You know, you got to do it a lot. Um, and some, something that I've done this, this year and I haven't done it in a long time is I have not stopped shooting since bow season did not stop at all. I mean, I tried, if I'm around, I shoot every day, a couple times a day if I can. And when I, when I go down to, you know, headquarters out in tethered in Tennessee, halftime, I take my bow with me and, and a block target or something. Um, just so I can, just so I can stay up on it. Um, I hunted with my longbow all through turkey season. So I was shooting in the morning at three in the morning before I left. And I was shooting in the evening before I went to bed. Um, you know, just like anything else, the more you do it, the more proficient you'll be at it. Um, and I think one thing to really, that you really want to look at, if you ha have one takeaway from this, um, odds are you're going to be coming from a compound bow. I'm going to guess because somebody's already listening to this. They're probably already in the space. They're already hunting or shooting compounds and they're, they're looking to, to try traditional bows. Don't nuke it. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't get set on one form or fashion. You do you, you know, and everybody's different. Um, you know, don't, don't try to tune an arrow or a broadhead within an inch of its life. As, as my buddy Troy Fowler Ranch Ferry likes to say, you're not that good. We're not that good. It doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, especially when you, if we're talking in it from a hunting perspective, not a target perspective, but from hunting, a hunting perspective, you know, we're not that good. So um, be as good as you can, but don't twist. Don't, don't get yourself, you know, in, in knots over it. Um, one thing I think that's gotten lost over the years and I've seen it happen 
in archery in general, it doesn't matter if it's a compound traditional or what is people forget why we're doing this, you know, why we started doing this. It ain't worth it. You know, why, why did my bow do this today? Why did it, why did the arrow kick left or do, do whatever, you know, it's just not worth it. Um, you know, enjoy it for what it is. And I, and I, 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 I personally blink, uh, believe that, uh, traditional archery can really bring you the most enjoyment out of all the archery, you know, possibilities, compound, whatever you do, you no judgment. I'm just saying this, when you, when you, when you strip it all down and you take it back to the basics and that bare bones stick and string, there's just something about it, man. And especially in the world we live in now, you get that type of, um, it's therapeutic. It really, really is. When you get out there, it's just you and your bow and you're flinging. You may shoot like garbage that day. Doesn't matter. You know, hang it up, shoot it again later. So, yeah. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you saying that because that's, you know, kind of where we're, we're headed with this whole thing is, you know, t- trying to remove all of those stressors, stressors, whether it's, you know, shooting, perfect shot, uh, perfectly tuned arrows, shooting a 150, like do what makes you happy and, you know, ultimately share it with somebody like, you know, have, have that experience and, and share those experiences because you can have all the equipment in the world. You can have the thousand dollar bows, but you can have just as much fun with that hundred dollar bow and, and make so many great memories without, all of the outside pressure and uh right man i think that's a that's a great way to to kind of kind of end this thing out just just do it for yourself right yeah absolutely absolutely it's um you know it's not it's not rocket science it's not some big mystery and again it's nothing you have to overcomplicate just enjoy it and you know this particular bow and this isn't the only quote unquote, hundred dollar bow, $200 bow out there. There's several others, but I do believe it's at the moment. It is definitely one of the best out there. The most bang for the buck for sure. So, um, yeah, you just, it's just a, a way to get into it relatively inexpensive and, and start to enjoy it. Awesome. So if people have questions or anything, they, where, where, uh, can they get a hold of you or follow along with, uh, some of these hunts I'll put up that the hunt we were talking about. And I, I do remember that, that North Dakota hunt, um, now, now that you're talking about the velvet hunt. So I'll, I'll link some of those here, uh, in the description, but if people have more questions or anything like, uh, you know, how could they get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, absolutely link the North Dakota hunt too. put the bad out there with the good, you know, because that's part of the journey. It's part of the process. Um, as far as getting a hold of me, you guys can message me on Facebook. Carl Kasuth is, is what I'm under. Same thing on Instagram. That's my Instagram handle. Um, you can email me if you have any questions. Uh, I do get a lot of emails regarding the traditional gear. Uh, the emails are generally for more in-depth questions, but uh, it's carl at tetherednation.com is my email. Um, but yeah, I, I'm always happy to um, answer any questions for anybody. Um, the majority of them that I get are not so much the tuning side of things, but it's just how do I shoot out of a saddle with one of these? And um, I need I need to just do a freaking video, a, re- a breakdown video of that because I do answer a lot of those questions. Um, it's uh, 
100% doable. It's, and you do it enough, it becomes just like breathing. But yeah, that's where you guys can get a hold of me. Um, if, you, if you run to me at a show or an event or whatever, come up, say hi, ask me questions, man, we will talk till the sun goes down. So, Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Carl. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man.